Good morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song? Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. 
When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set into place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Please be seated. Please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning, for you are the God of the possible. Lord, this morning we ask that you take away all the burdens and all the stresses in our lives, because Lord, you are majestic, and you are the one we look to, and you're the one we should be looking to every time something happens that we don't understand. And Lord, we know as sinners, we don't do that nearly enough. And Lord, we just need to, to remember to lean on you in all things. Lord, this morning we ask that you bless our time together in the worship service we're having, the music we're singing, and our fellowship time. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. Circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. Pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. It is time. Come on up. Find a seat on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> come on up. Well, today we're talking about Cain and Abel, and they gave gifts to God. And so I need two volunteers. You want to volunteer? All right, come on up. You want to come on up? All right, you two guys, come on up. And you know what? Since Cain and Abel gave gifts to God, I thought it'd be good if I'd give you guys gifts too. What do you think? So I thought, here you go. Here's a gift for you. And then, wait a minute. Um, I had another one. Oh, yeah, I was eating it before I came in to worship. But, so I stuck it in my pocket. Um, there's a little pocket lint. And I was playing with my dog, too. There's a little bit of dog hair stuck to it. It's a pocket lint. But it's still, you know, pretty good sucker. Would you like to eat that one? No? You don't like the gift I want to give you? That makes me kind of sad. You wouldn't eat that? No? Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I guess thanks for coming up and, and helping me this morning. And you know what? Let's, let's read the story of Cain and Abel and see how this fits. All right. Thanks for coming up. Have a seat. And, but don't worry. I've got a gift for you after worship. Okay. Something better than this. I'll put that back in my pocket. All right. So let's see what happened in Genesis chapter 4. Let's see. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil... In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So we see that, that Cain and Abel both, both brought gifts to God. And you know what? Cain brought gift, right? And it was fruit. This is kind of fruity, maybe. And, but Abel bought, brought the best, his first, the best. And God liked that. You know what? God doesn't want leftover nasty gifts. We don't want leftover nasty gifts, do we? No, God deserves the best. And why would we want to give our best gifts to God? Well, any ideas? Why would we want to give our best gifts to God versus something left over and maybe not quite as nice? Well, you know what? God gave us a gift, and he gave us the best gift. He gave us his one and only son, Jesus, to come and rescue us from sin, right? He gave Jesus to us, and Jesus came to give his life so that we could have life with God forever. So God gives us the best gift, best, better than we could ever give him. And that's why we experience God's love, and we want to share that love with others. And we want to give the best gifts to God because we can't outgive God. He gives us the best. All right, will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, and you can repeat after me. Father God, thank you for the best gift, your son Jesus. Help us to share your love by giving great gifts to others. Amen. 
All right, boys and girls, you know what? Since Jesus gave us all the best gift, I want to give you all a good gift. So after worship, stop by Next Steps out in the family gathering space. I've got good, clean, unwrapped suckers for all of you. All right? Thanks for coming up. Well, this morning we want to start announcements by talking about VBS in the neighborhood. So I don't know if any of you guys got to see pictures on Facebook this week. We had a dance party for three nights over at uh, the Evergreen Trailer Court. And I think there will be some pictures behind me at some point showing that. Um, we had a blast. And this next week we're going to be doing it again, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Carriage House, which is over by uh, behind Uh There's a park there. We're going to be doing that. We had a riot, and uh, Celeste can tell you it was a dance party the whole time, and they learned, the kids learned about Jesus, and we had so many kids who come along, and they kept asking if we can do it again next week, and so uh, this is your opportunity. If you guys want to be part of it, we'd love to have you guys show up and help, because the more people, the merrier, and it is so much fun, and uh, if you can't help at the VBS, we are still taking donations for cookies. Uh, because the kids, well, they love cookies, and it's fun. And Pastor, I know you saw the pictures earlier. Uh, pretty amazing. It was a lot of fun. And again, want to invite every single one of you to help out with it in some way. Uh, it was really a blessing. Yeah, in fact, uh, you can even just, at the minimum, pray for this event. So that as we go into a neighborhood, as we bring, yes, fun, dance, food, we bring the word of God as well. So please start praying for that. And then as the Lord moves you, lean in and be a part of it. So more, if you have more questions, feel free to call the church office, and we will give you more answers. Um, oh, boy. Uh, announcements, announcements. Uh, blood drive is today. So um, if you are so moved and able to give blood that can make, the, make a difference in the life of people, um, it's going to be on our campus down on the east part of our campus. So please, please do that. Um, also now, we're gonna, we have a, a moment of prayer that's going to take place after communion. And if you have a prayer request that you would like in, um, uh, rolled into the service, uh, we'll have a, there it is, 402-242-5051. And it'll be inserted, and we will have those prayers today at the service. We're also going to have communion, and I just want to always remind you, it is a beautiful gift given for God's people. Now, what is it? At 1C, we believe it is bread and wine, body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It is truly a gift of grace. So, if that's what you believe, we invite you, in fact, encourage you uh, to come forward and have that gift with us. So that'll be taking place in a little bit as well. Uh, also, we're going to have the joy baskets, in fact, right during this next song. And as you hear me say, probably every week, there's a couple truths that are just so important. Number one, God is gracious and gives all kinds of gifts to all kinds of people, right? Number two, he wants us to say thank you. And we could do it so many different ways. You know, as we were singing already, that's one way to lift up our praise. As we pray to him, that's one way. As we serve, whether it's out in the park and making a difference in the lives of kids and families, that's a great way. Also, as we give of our tithes and offerings. Um, God has blessed us. So just ask the Lord, Lord, how can I respond to you for all that you've done for me? So during this next song, as the baskets are passed, just pray. And then make sure you follow God's lead because it's always good to listen to our Lord. That's it.
worship. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just
in part of the course it says power, healing, and life. That's what Jesus offers up. He says, here you go. I got this for you. And uh, he wants us to kind of put our hands out like this and say, all right, I'll take, I'll take what you're going to give me because I need this desperately. Power, healing, life. And uh, that's what this meal is all about. Uh, as we come together week after week, we are broken image bearers, all of us, sinful. We fall short of the glory of God. We are more Cain-like than we want to admit. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So what God wants us to do before we come to this meal is to confess, to get honest with God, with each other, about some very important things. Number one, our sinful condition. Number two, Jesus, who is the one that is our Savior. Also, what's in this meal, and then how are we going to live our life? So, you will see it up on the screen. Let's profess and confess together. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And it says, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. And uh, you've heard me say, you probably know this, mercy is not getting what we deserve. So because of Christ and because of the sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, you and me have forgiveness of sins and life with him forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his, his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue with the distribution, for those of you that are new, uh, we do have four stations. And those of you that are on the outside, please exit your row towards the wall and come around to receive communion. And if you're in the middle, if you would come to the center section, two lines, come forward and receive this gracious gift. May God bless our time together. Amen.
You're worthy of it all. 
love that idea, right? He's worthy of it all. Even if we're not worthy because of our sin, he just goes like this. And he just keeps pouring it out in a way only he can, right? He does it in a way only he can. So may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry, and for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Lord, today we are praying boldly for the Holy Spirit to renew us and reveal victory in our lives. We do not have this by anything that we can do, but because of what Jesus has already done for us, we offer up these prayers. This is a prayer for a friend with many obstacles that are standing in his way. Prayers that he's able to start his new job this week and that he can overcome depression. We pray for broken relationships, bring healing to their hearts. This is a prayer for someone's health and that God may work a miracle in their life. Continue to be with my dear friend Cindy and help her to conquer cancer. Let her feel the love and encouragement of others and know that she is such a blessing to so many. Thank you, Jesus, for our neighbors living at Evergreen Trailer Court and the time that we had together to celebrate you and your goodness. We pray for your blessings on our BBS this week. May the Great Commission be reignited in all of us. Thank you, God, for the people of this church. May your spirit move in us to love you and love one another more. Lord, we lift our praises and our struggles to you. We pray for the areas that are needing victory in the lives of our family and friends and in our own lives. We pray over our church to live in victory where we have felt defeated. And we pray for those that we have known have been in cycles of feeling conquered to know the power of Jesus in their lives and not to give up. You can give them new places. We pray for those in our life who have felt defeated and in need of Jesus as their Savior. Help their trials open their lives, their eyes to the gospel and reveal to them the confidence in the peace that they can have in Christ when they put their faith in you. Help them to stop trying to win in this life on their own, but to surrender to the greater purpose of being yours. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you know what sibling rivalry is like? Just raise your hand. I just want to know. Maybe some of you have 
navigated through life and never had to deal with sibling rivalry. And you might be saying, well, I'm an only child, so I don't have sibling rivalry. Just so you know, psychologically speaking, all people deal with this sibling rivalry, whether it's with blood or with relationships. It happens. There's something inside of us. And so when I think back on me growing up, I am the youngest of four. How many of you are the baby in the family? You are the best. That's the way it works, right? You are the best. That's what we think. And we need to sometimes maybe check that at the door. But um, I'm the youngest of four. So there was Tom and Cheryl. They're both like 10, 11 years older than I am. And then there's my brother, Dave, who is a year and a half older. So if you wouldn't look up the word sibling rivalry in the dictionary, it would be that picture. When we were growing up, we competed at every level. Whatever sport he did, I did better. Well, I don't know. He would probably say something different today. But we would just compete on every level, even on being bad. And you're thinking, wow, who would ever do that? Right? Some of you have heard the story. Uh, the individual, is, um, the teacher's name was Mr. Paulus. Mr. Paulus was, I don't know, we'll just say 60 years old. I mean, he, I thought he was like 98, but he was probably only 60. And he, he was in, cl in class, it was my freshman year, one of my first classes ever in high school. And I remember going in, being kind of a little nervous, because Mr. Paulus has this deep voice. In fact, on the weekends, he would be the radio voice for classical music. So you could just picture his personality. And um, I remember sitting down, and uh, he would always have a, a phonograph. Anybody know what a phonograph is? Yeah, okay, good. Um, and then something like uh, plastic. It's called a, a record. And you put it on the phonograph, and you put play. So he would sit there with a sense of... Um, I don't, even, I don't know. He just loved it. And he would just kind of go, and he would sit, and all of us would have to sit there and listen to some classical piece. Now, after the classical piece was over, he would do a roll call, and he did. This is the first time ever. He starts going through alphabetically, and he gets to Thielen, and he goes, Thielen, did you have a brother named Dave? I said, yes, it's my older brother. He says, are you going to be anything like him? And I, being whatever fill in the blank, I said, I will be worse. And I was. I'll just give you one instant. I mean, there's so many of them. I don't want to give young people ideas. But this one, I don't think you can because you probably can't find a phonograph. Well, one day, I had a friend of mine go up to Mr. Paulus with a sense of like almost tears and upset and say, Mr. Paulus, can I talk to you? And, and so they go out into the hallway. And as he goes out in the hallway, I go into my, my little book bag thing and I pull out a new different record. And at the time, I was a Super Tramp fan. So I took off his classical album, and put on my super tramp. So he comes in afterward with a sense of whatever you want to say, 
And he goes like this. And all of a sudden, I don't even know what's the first song on the album, but it just starts rocking. And he looks right over at me. You, you know that. If you're an educator, you know there are those kind of students, and I was one of those students. Sibling rivalry. So that's why I, I tell you the story, because Cain and Abel is beautiful, right, uh, in, in a couple senses, because it does give us a picture, a really good picture, actually, of who we are and what we need. But what I'd like to do is do a flyover about Genesis just for a second, because when we think about Genesis, it is the beginning of many things, right? It is the beginning of many things. Exa example, organized world. Right before, it was kind of chaotic, so to speak, and then God says, let there be, and things started falling in line. Beautiful. Some of the things that we see, actually, on the sixth day is this creation of mankind. Remember, God said, let us make man in our image. So he did. And he made mankind in his image. Then after that, we find that there's a relationship. Now, there's a couple of relationships that we see right away in Genesis. We see the one between God and man, right? Between God and Adam. Really beautiful. Um, and then we also see this relationship between man and woman. First time ever, right? We see this unfolding in the book of Genesis. Then we see something else that's a beginning, a first, and it's a thing called sin. Sin is a rebellion towards what God says. And if you know the story, God said, don't eat from the tree. What did they do? Ate from the tree. And then as a result of that, there was new fruit. And it's called the fruit of sin. Evidence of sin. It's the first time we're going to see it. Now, we also get to see the first pregnancy. Adam and Eve, right? She gets pregnant and has a son, right? So we see a birth. This is the first birth that happens. We see the first family kind of coming together, right? There we have it. You can almost picture the picture. There's Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, and there's a picture. But we also find in Genesis the first of many dysfunctional families. And maybe I should say it this way, not the first of many, the first of all dysfunctional families, right? Because of sin. Then we see crime, and then we see death. I mean, it's the first, the beginning of a lot of things. I just want to make a comment about the birth thing for a second, because um, I had it in my notes and I kind of jumped over it. Um, if you look back in the story of uh, Adam and Eve and the birth of Cain, very interesting. We find that Eve is the one that names Cain. Now, later on in culture, that's not the way it often goes. But Eve named Cain. And she said it this way. I have acquired a man from the Lord. I wonder what she was thinking. Because in the actual Hebrew, it's a little bit different. It would say something like, I have acquired a man, comma, the Lord. And so it's a little different twist than what we often read. And I think often we just try to make it smoother or whatever. But really, I'm wondering if she 
and Adam are sitting there thinking, Genesis 3.15, it's being fulfilled. Remember when we were kicked out of the garden? Remember when our life changed? God said, I will put enmity between you and the one between thy seed and your seed. He will crush his head and you will bruise his heel. And there's this kind of a hope that's hanging there. And all of a sudden, Cain comes on the scene. And I wonder if they, they're feeling like this great big hope about this person named Cain. And I don't know, if, if, if you've gone through the whole thing of having a baby and watching him grow up, you sit there with a lot of hope. I'm thinking that this was maybe the most hopeful birth ever, I mean, at that time, because they wanted to get back into the garden. They wanted to get back with God. So here it is. Cain is the one. Not really. Because, again, the crime and the whole idea of death. So Romans chapter 5 is very sobering. Um, if you really read it, I mean, and what I mean by read it, really read it, because we could read a verse and go, oh, that's kind of, okay, that's interesting. But if you really read it and understand what it means, it should cause us to grieve. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men and women because all sin. I want you to have that, that sobering thought. I mean, we, we can go back in time and go, wow, I can't believe Adam and Eve did that. Or we can go back and say, I can't believe Cain killed Abel. Oh, I can't believe it. What Paul is saying to you and me today, not just to the person next to you, so don't go like this, all of us are sinners. All of us really fall flat on our face and we are not worthy. Going back to the song thing. Only, the only person that's ever worthy is the God of the universe. He's worthy. Because of our sin, we are unworthy. So I'm going to take you through a quick journey. And I'm hoping that you get the gist. We're going to look at Cain. We're going to quickly look at his life story. We're going to look at what was taking place, what was there, and what was missing. So just hang on. And I, and I don't, I mean, this is really hard. But I want you to know we are all Cain-like people. And we could be like the Pharisees and sit back and say, well, I've never killed anybody. Well, remember Jesus redefined that commandment? It's not just killing something, somebody. It's saying, you fool. We could do it with our tongue. So let me walk through, make a couple comments, and when I get to the area of worship, I'm going to really spend some time on that because that's the key to the story. So uh, what do we know? Here, here we go. Um, worker. He is a worker. Um, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So we see what they, they did, right? Cain um, worked the ground, and Abel was the keeper of sheep. And so you can almost picture what, what they were doing. Um, but then we find in the next verse, and just don't jump over in the course of time. Um, this was, if you look and do a little study behind this, in the course of time doesn't mean um, whenever they wanted to or felt like it. 
the real gist of the Hebrew here is in the course of time, it is a very intentional moment to worship God. It is something that God wants them to do. So here they are, Cain and Abel. Now it says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Can you picture what that was like? Like just the, maybe this basketful of colorful things. Wow, pretty good, right? Okay. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Wow. I mean, you know, first off, I ho hope you understand, the Bible doesn't tell us everything. We don't have all the details of this worship moment where they brought it, and then God says what he says, and then Cain's face falls. I mean, it's just this, this feeling so dejected, right? Um, a lot of commentators wrestle with the phrase, God had regard for Abel's offering, but he had no regard for Cain's. And so they will lean in on that and they'll just kind of guess because it's really hard, but um, a lot of them will have a common denominator. They really look at exactly what kind of gift did Cain give. Right? Because if you picture Abel's gift, this animal, right? It's the first and the best. And then it also says fat portions. And I don't you know, my father-in-law used to love the fat portion of a, of a steak or something. You know, I'm not so much. But back then especially, that was like the best of the best. So here's Abel doing this, and Cain is doing that. So it really is all about the kind of gift we give. It is all about the quality, the first, the best. It's also about the character, the character. Now, um, before I jump to the, the next verse, I just want to, you know, the Bible, I love it. The Bible will help us understand different parts of the text. So in Hebrews 11, we see a big long list of those who are faithful. And we go like this. So there's a little bit there, and it goes like this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was command, uh, commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So the example of Abel speaks volumes. But we also find the example of Cain is speaking. So now let's go back to the text. The Lord said to Cain, so after all of this, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So again, we're finding God is looking at the heart. Um, he's looking at what's going on. And all of a sudden, now Cain is showing his true colors. And maybe it wasn't evident as he was bringing the, the produce, 
but we now see what was in his heart after the fact. And he continues down this path, and we're going to watch it. It doesn't turn out. Um, we find this idea that sin is just kind of crouching, and that's the description that we have from the scriptures. Sin does that. And I, you know, I, I, I again, read lots of commentators. I'll, I'll watch lots of pastors. One of them talked about uh, the image of a, of a tiger getting ready to pounce. And um, they go into much more detail than I'm going to give, but if you ha can have that picture, that's what sin is like in Cain's life, but also in our life. Sin is crouching, wanting and waiting to pounce on all. Wow. Now, we get to verse, uh, verses 8 to 10. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I br my brother's keeper? And maybe it's a phrase you've heard, you know, out and about somewhere. But this is where it's from. And the Lord said to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Verses 11 and following. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me uh, today away from the ground. In your face, I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain. Now, nobody knows what that really means, but it was something that was identifiable. So if anyone comes upon Cain, they are not to kill him, lest any who, who found him should, be, should attack him. And then this is maybe the saddest of the entire reading. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod. And Nod in Hebrew literally means wandering and east of Eden. So a very sad story that didn't have to be. This is unnecessary. But that's what sin does, right? Sin comes, and it comes with a vengeance. Sin comes with a force. Sin comes with a temptation, just like Eve and Adam it just keeps coming and coming and coming. So then the question is, if, if we are prone to be Cain-like, what is our hope? Let's go back to Romans 5, because Paul really gets it. Yes, he says, all have sinned. In other words, all are just like Adam and Eve and Cain, right? But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. This is the good news. Even though all of us are Cain-like. Even though a lot of us like to raise Cain right? There is hope. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, 
much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And I think the pivotal moment going back to the story of Cain started not necessarily in what he brought, like, you know, but what was here. Then you see it in maybe what he brought, but you see it especially in his attitude. His face falls. He kills his brother. I mean, the, the story is just sad. And then he's away from the presence of God forever. So, a little moment here for reflection. Just in the quiet of your heart, I want you to think about some people in your life right now this is hard. But maybe you're not feeling so good about it. It could be a family member. Maybe you've been estranged forever and you're just like, nah, I don't really care. I really don't. Maybe it's a friend. it's a, an ex. Maybe a co-worker, a neighbor. And please, I want you to go there. Right? Just for a moment. Because I don't want you to dwell there too long because I'm going to take you to a different place that is much better. But I want you to have that moment to understand that sin crouches at all of our doors. And the enemy wants to bring everyone down. So think. Just think right now. Because if he, again, if the enemy can get you doing that kind of thing, he gets you away from being in the presence of the Lord. So think about it. Now I'm going to give you the remedy and the answer. Whatever name or names or pictures of people that are in your face. I want you to see this. We're going to go back to Psalm 8 because this is the answer, folks. It's really simple because God made it simple, not because we do. We make it much more complicated. The words from Psalm 8 say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic. Your majestic name fills the earth your glory is higher than the heavens. So do this with me, if you would. I'm going to have you stand. So let's do that now. And I want you to think about those people right now. Maybe they're the really hard to love people. And maybe you are justified in being upset with them. I want you to know that worship pushes out those feelings. The two cannot exist. So with the name or names that might be there right now, I want you with your head and heart body as you say it, I want you to read these words that are up on the screen from Psalm 8. And I want you to read it like you've never read it before. 
And then I want you to live it like you've never lived worship before. Outside of the four walls of a church. Into your homes, into your workplaces, into your schools. Into those broken and fractured relationships. And I want you to live this out. So we're going to make that transition. And then we're going we're to pray and then, and then sing. So together, we're going to say this out loud. From your head, from your heart, from your body, together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. Let's do it again. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. One more time. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. And Lord, I come to you and I just say in the presence of all of my brothers and sisters and in their stead, I say this out loud. Give us a heart to worship you. And when the enemy comes crouching at the door, we just, we really tell him to go to you know where. We don't want anything to do with it. And let us worship you. Worship you with all our heart, with all our mind, our soul, all that we have. May we keep you first. In Jesus' name, amen.
Tell the whole town